Alex Manzi is the creator and host of the popular Dreamers Disease podcast, which he founded and launched some two years ago. Like your London legacy, Alex interviews inspirational guests to find out what they do, how they do it, and their motivation for doing so, so that we can all learn valuable life lessons on our own journey. I really admire Alex, as he created the podcast as a result of his own personal journey, when at his lowest ebb, he doubted what he was doing with his life. Despite being in a good relationship and running a successful blog and club night, inside, he was falling apart. Listen in as we dig deep into Alex's tough journey, from dark despair to the light, and a passion to help others. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is Your London Legacy. Well, I'm delighted to welcome onto the uh, podcast today, and this evening, in fact, a fellow podcaster. Hello. Alec- Alex Manzi. How's it I going? Pro- have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Straightforward, hopefully. I'm always fearful of... Um, it sounds like an Italian name. It is, yeah. It is. Well, that's quite bizarre, because we are here, my listen <laughs> Under the fireworks. <laughs> we're, we're, it's all kicking off this evening. We are rooftop at the Picture House Central, right slap back in the middle of Leicester Square, Haymarket in Piccadilly. And it really is kicking off. You can hear fireworks, probably hear the fireworks in the background. We've got buskers and music and the Christmas lights. Yeah. The last time I was up here doing an interview was with another Italian. In fact, he was a Sardinian okay, chap, yeah, yeah. Uh, a very lovely chap called Leto Zolo, who was a, a photographer, photographs London at night time. So, must be something to do with, I don't know, Italy or that, yeah. that part of the world. Can't stay away from central London, us no, Italians. not at all. Well, it's a, a real treat and pleasure to have you on, on here. And um, maybe I can learn a thing or two about podcasting, because you've been doing it <laughs> a little while longer than me. But um, you've got uh, your podcast, which is called Dreamer's Disease. Yes. Which I want to dig into a little bit. But you've got a fascinating path that you've taken to get to yeah. how you started your podcast. So, I'd like to find out a little bit more about that so tell us first of all what, you, what you're doing at the moment with yourself so at the moment I or well, as it stands I kind of I left my full-time job about six to eight weeks ago okay and um, I was working at one extra at a radio station as their social media manager right. and I'd been doing this podcast for like the previous year and a half or so and I just decided that I wanted to focus more time on it and the brand around it and um, so I I quit and I started to, I'm now currently doing some social media freelance work just to obviously have some kind of money keeping me going. So you quit your job yeah. with BBC Radio One Extra. Yes. Uh, which is a good job by the sounds of it. Running their social media campaigns. Yeah. Right across the piece for everything. Ma- that managing they do. all of their all of their platforms. So uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat when we had Snapchat. And just putting out all the content, doing a lot of the kind of online promotion for stuff. So, yeah. So, how, how long have you been there? Four and a half years I was there. Okay. So, you leave the security to become a full-time podcaster? Or trying to. Trying I mean, to. Yeah, in, the, in the, um, the process of it. I think it's going to be like a year and a half transition. Okay. So, I'm in, I'm in transition. But that's why I can fall back on my social media background and get some freelance work. Right. So, I've actually got a contract now, funnily enough, back at the BBC in another department. Uh, which takes me up until the end of the year. And then I'm kind of weighing up whether in January I want to keep it clear and focus solely on my Dreamers Disease brand and the Alex Manzi brand, or whether I want to take another, you know, four, six-week contract, get some money in, and then after that, start trying to make it full-time, I suppose. But podcasting yeah, is well, your I love mean, by the sounds of it. Podcasting will be an element of it. Yeah. I think the wider brand around the podcast will be more around sort of life coaching and making more content that I like to put out and okay. all those sorts all of right. things. Fine. So life coaching is obviously flows naturally from the work that you do from the guests that you have on the show. Yes. But let's just go back a little bit and because um, you're only a young man. Uh, how old are you? I'm actually 31 next week. 31. Yeah. You don't look a day over 21. 31. Thank you. Very good. And you packed quite a lot into your 31 years. I know you were, went to school local to where I was born and grew up yeah, in, uh, right, in Finchley. You, yeah. you went to Finchley, yeah. uh, school in Finchley, Woodside Park, which for those who don't know is North West, North London? Yeah, it it's is. North London, I West, guess. Uh, N12 is postcode. N12, so it's a North, it's a north yeah. postcode. So you're adjoining postcode to me in Mill Hill, and NW, where I'm in Mill Hill. So we've got that in common. We've got podcasting in common. And we've got a few other things in common as well, because I believe you went to school in Finchley, yeah. in that area, and I don't think you enjoyed school all that much from what Not what particularly, no. It what wasn't, was it, it that wasn't, you didn't enjoy? It was just, a, I just, on reflection, at the time I didn't know, I just didn't like it. But on reflection, I think it's because I feel like I wasn't being taught in the way that I like to learn things. It's very much sit down, 
listen to this person speak, read this textbook, write about it. And I don't learn like that. I learn by doing stuff. Yeah. I learn by picking up a recording device and a microphone and going to interview someone. Or I learn, you know, how to edit a video by actually editing actually a video. trying it for yourself. Yeah. And I just feel like that wasn't part of the school process. And I just genuinely didn't like school and the kind of whole setup and the kind of authority the teachers try to place on, on top of you and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And I just, I never really had a subject that I felt I really enjoyed. Well, my, wife PE, will, my wife will laugh at me, but she says she always ends up in, in the conversation on the podcast somehow. But my, my wife was uh, a teacher, a special needs teacher. I'm not saying you've got special needs, by the way, of any, of any description. But she maintains, as you maintain, that current the way the school is set up currently is still a throwback to Victorian times. Oh, 100%. And it's just not fit for purpose. Yeah. And e- even the curriculum itself, and I say this all the time when, I, when I'm chatting to people on it or being interviewed, it's like the curriculum itself, I started secondary school in Finchley in 1999 so that's nearly 20 years ago yeah the curriculum for the school is probably still exactly the same today for someone who starts in September so that tells me there's a big problem because how much has that world changed in 20 years yeah and in fact the government are still pushing for the old reading writing and arithmetic yeah which is even beyond the 20 years ago from when I I can't remember the last time I (laughs) had to use a scientific calculator to work anything out it's just crazy isn't it in trigonometry you know Pythagoras's theorem uh, I mean that was actually my worst class I was useless at maths and quite frankly my my job in fact entails dealing with figures on a daily basis but I'm I hate numbers you use a calculator do you know what the funny (laughs) thing is maths was the subject I was probably the best at I didn't enjoy it but purely because it was like, if you do this, it doesn't work. If you do it like that way, it works. So there was like a, a certain outcome to stuff that I could work out. Whereas science or, you know, English or and the other, the other subjects I was good at was languages. Because, again, you, you learn by speaking, by, by doing. It. So it's, it's what they say, I think, is experiential. It's actually doing things. Yeah, and, and I feel like everyone learns differently i can't i don't know the exact you know i'm not an expert but there's i think there's like three or four different ways yep. that people learn right yep. it's by there's visual visual audio audio and experiential and, is actually and doing practical. things yeah and i feel like that practical element isn't there in schools the visual probably wasn't there as much it's probably more there now because of technology but still the practical side of things so by that sense a third of students in school aren't being taught you know, how they should be being taught. Yeah. So that, to me, is wrong. It's probably the majority, actually. Yeah. But that being said, <laughs> done me a favour because I've ended up where I am now, so I can't complain. Right? Well, that is, that, is, that is very true. But you, like me, I suppose, and, and some other people, can turn, what do they say, turn lemons into, you know, to lemon squash. Or, yeah, yeah. But there's plenty of people out there who suffer at the hands of the education system and can't turn things around, can't create good from a poor situation don't know how to yeah and in fact can go completely the other way and, and have negative experiences when they come out of school both you know mentally and physically and yeah. I, I, in all in all ways so what happened when you left school you you fell into i believe you actually did some project in brazil as yes well. so i when i left so i did my a levels uh-huh. did be an operative work so i didn't get very good right. grades because okay. i'd already something des- else we got in common then yeah i, I already <laughs> decided in year 12 that I wasn't going to uni again looking back on that as a quite a wise decision on my behalf because I didn't want to be four more years in education studying something I didn't want to study right I thought I'd you know go straight into work so in year 12 I decided that so I still had to get through year 12 and year 13 and to get my A levels because you know that's what my parents wanted me to do so fine but I didn't get great grades it was D E U was my grades okay I think um, I beat you. C, I got CDE. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. They're done. And then I had this opportunity through school to go on a four-month volunteering trip to Brazil. So me and a friend signed up and we we had to raise the money ourselves. We had to do like, we put on an event for our friends, was a Brazilian-themed party. We spoke to the school and we, we used to go into the, the... So in our school, there was two playgrounds. There was a senior school, so like year nine and above and the junior school playground, so year seven and eight. So we used to go into the junior school playground and sell sweets. Right. And we used to bag up the sweets for a pound and sell them, or two for a pound or something. So it's your first uh, taste of entrepreneurial. Yeah, I guess so. And it was just an idea of like, what's an easy way, not easy, but like an easy way to make yeah. money. You look at the margins of, you buy the sweets for, you buy a packet of sweets for a pound, you can bag that into 10 packets and sell them for a pound each or Smart whatever. Smart move. So we did that and we raised quite a lot of money doing that and on the event. And we had, I think we had to raise, I think it was 1,500 pounds. And then the rest of it was subsidized by 
a guy called, I always get his name wrong. I think it was Jack Petty, who's like a East London... Petchy? Is it the Petchy? Petchy. Yeah, that's The Petchy Foundation. Yeah, it yes. was through that. So it, the, the rest of it was subsidised through that. So I think the total was like £4,000. Wow. But we only had to raise 1500 or 1200 And um, so we did that, went off to Brazil. So I'm just months. interested. Just So when you turn around to your parents and so say, there's this gig going on in Brazil. Yeah. How old were you at the time? You were 18? Uh, 17, 17. 17. And you said it's going to cost four grand and I've got to raise 1,500 quid. Yeah. What did they say? You better raise 1,500 quid. (laughs) Yeah, we ain't helping you. Yeah, good. Yeah, do it yourself, which is fine because I've always been, you know, someone who's been quite proactive. I've never, although, you know, I come from a fairly good family background and family business and stuff, I've never really relied on my parents for anything. I've always been more than happy to go out and do stuff myself. I always worked in my uncle's deli in Stoke Newington since I was like 15 on a Saturday you know, to earn money. So there's no problem with work ethic then, is there? No, not at all. I'm, I'd, I'd like to consider myself as a hard worker. Yeah. So r- to me, raising money was just, you know, another challenge in a way, I guess. I mean, my friend, we did it fairly easily in the end. And um, yeah, set off for Brazil for four months. And it was great. We had a bit, you know, amazing time in, in Natal we were based in. Um, we're working in schools, nurseries. Um, and then, yeah, came back and tried to get a job. So you were supporting the kids yeah. like, a, like a teacher assistant or something? Yeah, basically. Yeah. So there was three schools that we worked in. One was like a secondary school, but the, cl- the classes were kind of, they weren't grouped together like ours, like year seven, year eight, year nine. It was more like year seven and eights, uh-huh. year nines and tens, and or however it works. So some of the kids were like in the same class were like 15 and some were like 17. And we were we ended up actually in that particular class the kids had told the, sh- the, the teacher that they'd be interested in learning English from us. So we then decided to, to try and teach these kids English, even though we had no clue how to teach English to, to kids in a, in a language we really didn't know how to speak. So one of us, as it were, as a group, we kind of came up with the idea of why don't we just reverse what we're learning? Because we'd spent a week when we arrived in Sao Paulo learning, learning Brazilian Portuguese. So I said... Well, as a group, we decided that why don't we reverse that? So we've got all the textbooks and the papers. Why don't we just reverse it? We know how to say, hello, my name is in Brazilian or in Brazilian Portuguese and English. So why don't we just reverse it and teach them and teach them the phonetics as well so they can pronounce it. So we were just literally going through our old textbooks. So you're just mirroring, reverse yeah. engineering the, the textbooks. Ba- basically, and, yeah. te- and teaching this class English. Yeah. And then another, another one was a, it was a nursery in a favela just outside of Natal. And we were there two days a week. So that was literally like three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, like helping the the teachers. We used to have to get shepherded in on a special bus because you couldn't just turn up to this favela. You had to come on the bus. So it was was quite a a really good experience. Amazing experience. Yeah, great. You taught yourself to become a teacher whilst you're at it as well, (laughs) whilst learning a second language. Yeah. Can you speak any Brazilian? Uh, um pouquinho. Um pouquinho. That's, that's about it. <laughs> but it's funny because I went, <laughs> I've just come back from uh, Lisbon a few weeks ago with my friends and obviously Portuguese over there. So I was trying to like rehash my uh, old Brazilian Portuguese. But when I came back after the four months, I was fairly fluent because they couldn't really speak English. There's only a couple of people we knew in Brazil, in Natal, that could speak English. So we had to speak Portuguese every day. But apart from to ourselves. So we were learning quite quickly. Well, I was learning quite quickly. And I can't speak for the others, but like I said, I learned best by doing. So I was learning Portuguese. And because my Italian family, I have an understanding of Italian, which kind of helped because it's a very similar language. So I was able to pick it up fairly quickly. And I came back and I was, you know, I'd say probably like 70% fluent. I could have a conversation with people in Portuguese quite That's easily. That's in four months? Yeah. That's remarkable. That's yeah, really very and good. And did yeah. the kids pick up English as well? <laughs> well, not as quickly. Struggle. No. Yeah. It was hard because we were, we were teaching them the basics, but they didn't have anywhere to practice. Because other you were than immersed in the, class. In, the, in the society. We, exactly. they, they see you for we a had couple no of choice. hours. No, and then, yeah. like, I, I couldn't go into a shop and, you know, if you, go, if you go to Lisbon, for example, pretty much 80% of the time, the person behind the counter is going to speak English. Sure. In Natal, in Brazil, in a, it was a poor city, you weren't finding that. You had to, you had to do everything in Portuguese. So, yeah, it was great great to learn well as i say a fabulous experience and uh, a bit jealous of you on that one i've never gone to brazil <laughs> i'd love to go one day so what happened when you got back what path did your career um, take so i mean i didn't have much of a career when i got back so i ended up not really working for a year and i was just doing bits and bobs so i was like i said working in my uncle's deli on most saturdays i was 
I, I was doing various stuff. I was helping clean my mum's offices at her work for like 30 quid once a week. I was uh, helping another family friend fit windows when his person who normally helped him out couldn't help out. Yeah. I'd get the call. I was doing some delivery driving. I was helping out in a pasta factory that my dad worked in. I, you know, I was literally jack of all trades in a way. Or what's, what's the one? Uh, jack of all trades, master of, master none, of none, literally. Yeah, but it's all great learning experience, isn't it? Yeah. It all goes into the mixing pot. And, yeah, you know. so I was doing that for pretty much a year, to be honest. But more, more often than not, I mean, it sounds like I was very busy, but more often than not, I wasn't. I was sat on my ass playing football manager on my laptop, watching TV most days. And my mum would get very frustrated. So she she sent me down to a family friend's factory, which was making blank canvases for artists. So literally when you go into like Cass Art, for example, and you buy a white canvas, yeah. that canvas has to be made. So I was the one in in this particular factory that was making these canvases. Making the actual canvas material or the so canvas on the boards that they both. So I was I was so the canvas material comes delivered as massive rolls, like huge rolls, which are like three meters wide and my job was to put the frames together so the frames the wood would come in as like planks of wood the other guys in the factory would cut the frames to size to measurement and have all the you know inserts and all that stuff then my job was to fit the frames together and then stretch the canvas or cut the cloth and stretch the canvas onto the frame and i did that for like two and a half years oh wow well, full time. Just brutal, yeah. Oh my god. And I, I pretty much hated every day of it after the first. I don't like, think I could have lasted that long. Brutal. So that's uh, uh, if nothing else, it's going to teach you to be uh, to persevere. Yeah, the things yeah. that you don't enjoy because we've yeah, all got to it's, it's also it taught me that if you don't like something, just don't do it. Yeah. Like there's there's stuff out there that you will enjoy. Yeah, that, that's a lesson for sure. But I think stickability perseverance yeah. is, is also a very good yeah lesson. i mean i was never gonna you knew you, it wasn't gonna be your yeah but your also calling. i was never gonna you can look at it two ways a i never had the balls to walk away from it and not have a job again or b i was never gonna walk away unless i had another job lined up sure so it just i just actually got stuck in like a cycle while i was there and it was like i woke up one day and it was two and a half years had gone and i was kind of in a very bad place mentally right. at this time because i was clearly doing something i didn't enjoy so how old like, were you now I started there when I was uh, 19, and I left there when I was nearly 22. Right. So, so really, still young. In, yeah, young, but important years. You're sort of yeah. late teens, early 20s. And especially when you know the idea was that I wouldn't go to uni, so that by the time all my friends came back from uni, I'd have four years, three years working experience on them in a, in a corporation or in a you know in right. media or whatever. But I didn't want that. That's not what happens because I ended up in this factory for two and a half years. Okay, but you were living at home. Yeah, I was living at home, so and I, I was earning fairly good put money. Some money away. Yeah, tucked away loads of money, yeah. which was you know a major benefit. But at the time, I was just in a really bad headspace, like, and I didn't realize it. How did that manifest? I mean, it manifested over a, a number of years, over probably twenty. So I would have been twenty. So it was about five or six years. It would have manifested. But when you say you didn't realize you were in a bad headspace. Was there a specific incident that you sat up one yeah. morning, you woke up, and you thought, "I can't so, go in"? Or well, I used to, I used to hate going to, to work, to yeah. be honest. And I used to be driving. This sounds so ridiculous. I used to be driving into work, thinking like, "Oh, if I crash my car, like, oh, it means I wouldn't go in. Or if I, oh, I might get injured." And then I'd literally be thinking that on the way in. Yeah. Or like, if it snowed, it was like, oh, if I drive a bit dangerously, a snow day. Yeah, I might <laughs> skid into a wall, and yeah. then I. would you know, again, oh, my car's written off, can't go to work that day or snow day or, yeah. you know, like I'd always be thinking of, or could I, I'd get, sometimes I'd get halfway in and I'd phone them up and be like, oh, I can't, I've got really bad headache today. Yeah. So we, we, we laugh, but these are actually seriously negative thoughts. Yeah, yeah, like very serious. And yeah. that was like, at a, you know, a time when as a 21, 22 year old, you should be <laughs> loving your life, going out all the time. And yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't in that space. And it, it like I said, it manifested over years and we're going to massively fast forward, but I basically ended up leaving that job. I got a job in an events and marketing company, um, small company, um, stayed there for a year and a half, and then went into advertising as a TV uh, assistant producer um, at a company called Grey, and I was there for a year and a half. But whilst I was there, um, I had a girlfriend at the time, and again, I was still gone through this whole process of not really, like doing loads of stuff, like being really active, and I had like this music blog and this popular club night, and. Mm then all this stuff that looked amazing but on the inside I just felt like hollow and again I've, I didn't really recognize it at the time 
and I didn't really speak about it to anyone either. And one day, it all kind of came to a head when I was having this argument with my girlfriend of the time. We were in her room having this argument, and she was like saying, I can't even remember what it was about. It was like a meaningless kind of argument. And she was, you know, arguing. I was going back at her, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then she just started saying, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you saying anything? And I was like, just sitting there thinking, what do you mean? And she was like, why aren't you saying anything? And what I didn't realize was happening was that I was almost like, I don't know how to explain it, like watching us have an argument uh, without me partaking in the so argument. So you were internalizing your argument with her. Exactly. So she'd be saying stuff and I'd only be answering it to myself in my head. And then she kept saying, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you saying anything? And I just looked at her and I just burst into tears. And straight yeah. away she was like, snapped out of it. And she was like, what? What, what, what? And I was like, I, I don't feel like myself. She was like, what do you mean? And I could only say, I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like myself over and over. And um, that was like the awakening moment but, of like... But that I, happened over a period of some time. I built up over a very long time. Was, was there a tipping point? Was there something that led to that specific incident? Or was it just... Not really. Just you thought... <laughs> You just come to a time in your life and you just couldn't take anymore. I think it was that. It was yeah. a breaking point. I think I just, I was always tired, always tired. I was always going to the doctor for like tiredness. And, you know, there was a time where I was going to the doctor for, I had like what I thought was like a heart murmur. Well, they told me it was a heart murmur. So I was like all this stuff happening and football injuries. And, and I just got to this point of like, I can't do this anymore. I just feel like, I don't, I don't know, heavy and dark. And like, I know that I'm a, I'm a very energetic you know, bouncy person I always was as a kid. And I, I just felt like, um, we've seen the film Space Jam, where, where the monsters uh, come yes. and they, they suck the, literally yeah. suck the life suck out the of life the basketball yeah. players. Yeah. I felt like that. I felt like the Space Jam monsters had come and sucked the life out yeah. of me. And I was just this like hollow shell of myself. Because look, sitting here looking at you now, I mean, I, I know mental health issues are just that. They're mental health issues. And you can't see it necessarily on someone's face. You're a young guy, you're full of life and energy and bubbly personality. There's no way anyone would know. I mean, if you presented now, you know, then as you do now, nobody would yeah, but it, have a clue. The difference is, back then, we probably could have had a very similar conversation and I would have appeared exactly the same, yeah. as you said. And I would have gone home and just literally inside being like crawling. Yes. So that's beyond just being miserable. That is a form of depression. Yeah, like, yeah. 100%. And yeah. couple that with like really bad anxiety of like, you know what the flip flipping hell I'm doing with my life. So I was gonna swear, I wasn't sure if I could swear there. No, you can you can swear. This is uh, open mic, and we're we're covered for expletives okay, on this good. podcast. Um, See, so yeah, I didn't know like you know what was what was happening in my life, and yeah. I just so couple those two together, and what you know they they obviously go hand in hand sometimes, not all the time, and for me they did, and it was hard. It was like the hardest years of my life when actually it should have been some of the best years of my life, you know. And I don't look back and regret it because it's, again, it's got me into the position I'm in today. So do you, think, learning curve. do you think your state of mind or health was symptomatic of the lifestyle you, you were leading? Or do you think it's something that would have happened irrespective of the way you were I, leading your life? Or? I think it's both. And I think there's a fine balance because, I get, like I said, like I was doing a lot of stuff that was kind of externally good. You know, so I had a good job. I was working in advertising. Yeah. I had a, my own car. I had a girlfriend. I had this successful music blog. I had this, you know, popular club night in London. I had all of these things that on the outside were amazing. And, you know, every time I was doing or, or any of the kind of stuff revolving around those, I felt great. Yeah. But the second none of that was there, like I said, I felt like this hollow person. And I'd literally just sometimes just lie in my bed at night and just sit there like just in 100 mile an hour thoughts going through my head of like, anything and everything yeah but nothing at the same time so you didn't feel at all fulfilled presumably no not, not you didn't at all. feel you were compared to knowing how i was when i was in brazil for example obviously it's a completely different scenario because you're in a new country but yeah. i was full of life i was yeah. fun i was like the you know like the one who'd always be like, oh guys let's go and do this like i was always and i felt amazing and then over that period of time six years seven years whatever it was i lost all of that and i just felt like I said, like this hollow shell and just like a, you know, like a, almost like a ghost walking around and just sort of like gliding through the days without really experiencing anything. So what happened? I mean, how did you overcome that? Was it through doctors and therapy or? Um, did it so, so what happened was after the kind of, you know, breakdown moment, my girlfriend's mum was a therapist. So we went downstairs pretty much straight away, spoke to her and she was like, okay, explain to me what you feel. And, every, you know, kind of gave me the 
questioning, as it were. And I tried to explain it as best as I could, even though I didn't really know at the time what I was explaining. Yeah. And she was like, okay, I'm going to recommend you to go and see a therapist that I know who I think would be very good for you. So she recommended me to this lady. I spoke to her on the phone, got a consultation session, went, saw her. I went to like three sessions and I just didn't really, I didn't really feel like it was benefiting me. There was something about it that didn't feel like, I don't know if I just didn't feel a connection with her, which is obviously quite important if you're going to have therapy. And I basically just phoned her one day and said, look, I actually lied. I said, look, I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. Lie. Yeah, I'm feeling great. <laughs> I can't I'm feeling, make it in, my car's crashed. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> so I don't think I'm going to come to any more sessions. She was like, okay, cool. If you, you know, want to come back, just call me, whatever. And in my head, I was like, I just didn't enjoy it. So then I went on this like self-development process over the next... So this at this point, I would have been 26-ish. So I went on this self-development process over the next two, three years. But there was a big transition window within that of maybe like... Actually, maybe two years of transition of actually trying to work out what I wanted to do. This, this was on your own, trying to find the solutions on yeah, your own. Yeah, but speaking to people and being yeah. more open. And I remember when I first spoke to my friends about it, we were in a pub. We were going to a football match to watch Arsenal, and we were at the pub. And I kind of were they your team, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And okay. uh, yeah, move on. <laughs> and um, we spoke about it in the pub, and I just explained that whole breakdown moment. I'd never really spoken to them about it, and it, it felt really freeing and really open. So I started to be a lot more open about it. I mean, to be honest, I still haven't had that conversation with my parents because that's really daunting. But they obviously see a lot of the stuff that I'm doing, and I'm You've sure never they've... spoken to your parents about no. your depression. No. Not at all. Which is, I know it's has never come up in conversation. No, and they've never been aware of. Well, I think they the I sneaking think, awareness of. I think they they have been now because of you know I'm very open about it when yeah. I'm on podcasts and my podcasts online. Do you you live at home with your parents still? Not anymore. No, no. no. So I was say it'd be hard to hide. Yeah, yeah. Living at home. So I think they I think they know we just haven't had the conversation. Yeah. Which I know isn't great, but I just just go back to. Uh, I don't. I don't want you to talk about what you spoke about in your therapy sessions. Yeah. What What sort of therapy was it? Is so it a talking therapy? Was it a? Yeah. So I mean, it was a lot of her trying to understand me, but I, I also felt like she was putting stuff on me at the same time. So so like I would explain to her, you know, about how I felt, and then she'd ask me about what were my hobbies, and we'd talk about playing football, and we'd get onto the conversation of, you know, I used to have lots of football injuries, so she'd try and pin like this this depression back to the football injuries and right. I knew I knew it wasn't knew it that full well it was nothing I to knew do it wasn't that and yeah. so she'd try and like pin the she was trying to find a specific reason yeah instead of trying to understand the reason she was trying to find find it. a reason and, and I say just, this is yeah I just didn't like that and you know I'm tr- yeah. at this this is a time where I had a music blog a club night as I've mentioned you know I'm all I was always on social media and I'm trying to explain these things to this lady who was probably in her like mid to late 50s and I was just looking at her thinking like you don't, you don't even it. know what I'm talking about. You don't about. get it, love. You, you don't get what <laughs> yeah. I'm talking. You don't even know what a blog is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was just yeah. like, "This isn't for me. This isn't. It doesn't yeah. feel right." So you try to um, not self-medicate, self. Um, yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't invest I mean, in yourself, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, at first, I didn't. To be honest, I kind of just I <laughs> tried to not sweep it under the carpet, but just try to. I knew it was there, and it still was there. Like the anxiety was still there quite a lot, less so the depression. And then what happened was I got the job at One Extra probably about a couple of months after my last therapy session and that basically put me on like a another high like this short-term high of oh I've got this amazing job and you know it's a job I always would have dreamed of and all of that stuff and I basically ended up back where I was six months later internally but externally again everything looking amazing and I'd gone back into this cycle of not really talking about it and I but this time I was more aware of it but the scary thing was I didn't know how do I explain? So I didn't know who I was. I couldn't look in the mirror and be like, I'm Alex Manzi. I stand for this. I believe in this. I had, it was all emptiness. I didn't have the answers to these questions and that scared the life out of me. So that was, that was the time where I thought, right, I need to try and find all this stuff out. So it's kind of like, I've used this metaphor before. It's kind of like having a, a house made of Lego that's kind of tumbled down because it was built wrong. And I was at this point of like, shit, I don't have the answers to build it back up, but I'm going to start brick by brick. You know what it should look like. Yeah. and Well, not should look like, but I know there is a, a right way to build it yeah. because ultimately, you know, I've lost the instructions, Yeah, <laughs> but there is a right way to build it. Somehow. So I'm going to start brick by brick. I'm not trying to do it all at once. I'm going to go brick by brick, you know, one little 1% at a time and build upwards from there. And 
that came over again a course of you know a few years and but that's a remarkable self-awareness yeah a to to spot that in yourself that you don't know who you are and what you stand for and b to to think there are steps that i can take to get to where i want to you know who i want to be and i think i think the the big thing was and uh, you know now i know through like reading stuff and listening to podcasts the big thing that i didn't have was the why what was my why in life and i didn't know what that was and that was the scary thing i didn't know what i was going to be doing beyond the one extra job i didn't know what i would have wanted if someone asked me what do you want to be doing in five to ten years i'd i wouldn't have known but why why are we here who am i these are the eternal questions that we all Exactly. What well, is I wouldn't life? say we all. Most. <laughs> what is life? Everybody at some point in their life will experience that question, feel yeah. that question. The majority of people, I would guess, yeah. will say, "What? What is this all about?" Yeah. Whether you're whether you're brought up in Buckingham Palace or on the the slums of Brazil, it's going to pass through your mind at some some point. Yeah. But for some people, it's much harder to get to the bottom of that. I mean, have you answered that yourself? Yeah. Do you, do you know where you, yeah, you know the answer to that now? Yeah. So what, so what was the process? You said through reading self-help books and through listening to podcasts. Yeah, so basically I, I started doing more stuff that I actually enjoyed. Yeah. That I, that I enjoyed. Yeah, for not yourself. That, not that everyone else thought I enjoyed. Yeah. Stuff that I actually so enjoyed. So were you doing things that you thought you should be doing to please other people? Well, yeah, I guess so, people? but I didn't, again, I didn't recognize yeah. that's what I was doing. Yeah. But I mean, with hindsight, looking back. Yeah, hun- yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it was cool stuff. A lot of it, you know, the, even the, down to the club night, I used to hate doing events. I did it as a job. I used to hate doing events, but I used to have a club night. So yeah. it's like... So people was, thought you were cool and you got some yeah. reflected glory And, you know, but in fairness, a lot of that, again, that's, this is why I can never be regretful of everything because a lot of that foundation work that I did with the club night got me the job at One Extra, yeah. which then got me to a point of realisation of that's not what I wanted to do, which also built me up a lot of contacts in the music world, which then gave me the platform to build the podcast. So it all kind of sequentially played out, but I just had to find the route yeah. See what I mean? So back to your question, sorry. So I started to do more stuff for me. So that was like reading more books. Like I used to, I didn't, I hated reading in school, funnily enough. But now I love it because I started to read books I enjoyed, like self-development, self-help, yeah. biographies, learning from other people. Yeah. I started watching more documentaries. I started listening to more podcasts where I could learn from someone's story, either how they built their business or how they doing this amazing thing. And it was all very inspiring and I just felt like a really deep connection to it, like really deep. And I think, I feel like deeper than what, you know, someone might listen to an inspirational podcast and be like, oh, that's really inspirational. But I felt like it was burning a fire in me and starting yeah. that fire. And basically I got to a point where, and we were just, you know, talking off, off mic before that, you know, you listen to a lot, so I'd listen to a lot of podcasts yourself. And I was listening to like, you know, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, Lewis Howes, uh, How I Built This all these amazing podcasts but I then started to realize I couldn't I was I didn't have a connection to the guests on the podcast because they're all US focused yeah and I started to look around for like actually I want to know about the people that I like again doing stuff for me I want to know about the people I like and I couldn't find a podcast that had the guests that I wanted to hear from but not not just a standard interview like I wanted to hear their story yeah and I couldn't find it and I just sat down with a mate one day and I was like I remember we were in Brixton going to a gig and we're having nandos and i just went i want to start a podcast and he was like what about and i was like just hearing people's stories and he was like who and i was like just people that i find interesting <laughs> and that was it and then literally within a month two months that I'd, I'd had the first episode recorded and straight away i knew that was my why my why has always been a to hear people's stories to learn b to help people so like the music blog was a tool for me to help promote other people's music to help them build their careers and all of those all of these things they started to add up into like this one place and so I started this podcast and yeah it's kind of led me on this amazing journey of I love doing it I love everything it stands for I love the fact that in a world which is full of a lot of negativity and bullshit my podcast my dreams disease brand my Alex Manzi brand is about nothing but positivity. I love that because that's what I am. I'm a positive guy. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, from you know the last you know how long has it been? Forty minutes or whatever. I'm a positive guy, well, it, it, and it, I love the fact that I am allowed to now utilize that as 
an expression, but also as a way to help people. And I get so many people now messaging me saying, oh man, I've been following your page for like however many months and it's been really inspiring for me and I've started to make changes in my life. And I'm just like, wow. Like I have made a, help make a change in someone's life. Like, and that feels so good. And that helping someone, inspire someone, motivate someone is a massive why for me. Yeah. Well, Huge. Yeah. It's inspiring for me. That's why I asked you to be on the podcast in the first place. <laughs> Thank inspiring you. for me in so many ways because of the guests you get on who themselves have wonderful stories. And that's what I try and do through your London legacy. And also as a successful podcaster, one who's growing and started it from nothing is, is in itself a fantastic story. So the brand you created, Dreamer's Disease, mm. where, where is that? title come from what does it mean to you what um, do you want it to mean so actually I'll, t so I'll tell you how I came up with the name okay because it's it makes more sense to do it that way around so when I came up with the idea of the podcast I had the idea I had the type of conversations I wanted to to have I had a list of guests that I wanted to get on I had the equipment anything I didn't have was a name so I started to write down and I've still got the the original note in my phone I started to write down loads of ideas in my phone different like keywords so it'd be like happiness inspiration motivation uh journey stories and i wrote down dreams dreaming and there was something about writing those two words that really just connected and i remembered that stormzy has an ep which he put out in around 2014 called dreamers disease so i wrote that down because so i thought that's a really interesting name wrote it down and i carried on adding names to this list and words to this list and i just kept coming back to dreamers disease i kept coming back to dreamers disease because i always felt like I had this disease of dreaming about stuff and not actually doing anything. So I, I saw it as like Stormzy's meaning behind the title of his EP was that he's addicted to living out his dream and he's living it out as much as he can. Whereas my flip on it is that it's the disease of dreaming that causes us to live an unhappy life because we don't take action on those dreams. We just sit back and think about them. And I started to take the action. And that's where the title came from, but also the meaning behind it as well. No, that's and I think really interesting. It, it just ties in really well with the concept of the podcast. And then after that came out of like the, the branding and the yeah. logo and stuff. So, so do you believe that people dream too big, set goals, unrealistic goals, and then fall short of them and then suffer, you know, go into mood swings and depression because they don't achieve? Do you think society expects too much of people? I think it's a bit of everything. I think yeah. people dream too big and then don't achieve it and then get themselves in a rut. I think people see other people in inverted commas appearing <laughs> I know what you're gonna, yeah. amazing <laughs> and happy on yeah. social media yeah. and they think, why aren't I like that? And then they get themselves in a rut. Yeah. And I think that some people, they dream about things and they never take the action at yeah. all. And that gets them in a rut. That's the killer, isn't it? Yeah. The people think you can get, you know, I don't, to me, rich and famous is not success. But people think, oh, they're rich and famous and they yeah. haven't done anything for it. Yeah. You know, but it, I want that. But it doesn't, I, being rich and famous doesn't mean anything unless you're happy doing Correct. it. Look at the amount of celebrities in Correct. the past two years that have taken oh their own God. lives. The number of times I have this conversation with uh, certain people. And that's, and that is scary because, yeah. and that to me is a big worry because people are aspiring to be like these people who aren't happy, yes. they're aspiring to be like them because of what they have. Yeah, And, and that thing they have is not happiness. No. And that thing is always out of reach because you get to that next level of fame or yeah. wealth or yeah. you know, material, whatever it is, and it's nice to have at that moment, and then it's, you want the next thing and the next thing yeah. and the next thing all the time, as you were, feeling not who you are, em yeah. empty inside. Because and, that's, and that's part of the problem is that people attach their happiness to things, yeah. and they don't look internally. Yeah. And I think when you start to look internally, when you start to look internally and you really start to build that happiness from the inside out, your whole world changes. Yes. Everything becomes so much more meaningful. And the things that you used to attach happiness to all of a sudden don't mean much. In fact, you've just reminded me, I, I interviewed on the podcast a few months ago uh, a lovely therapist. Yeah. <laughs> you, may, you may get on with called Michelle Attias. She's a lovely lady and she's just written a book called Look Inside. Yeah, I, I think that's it's not the full title, but yeah. I think it's along I'll the lines of Look Inside. Yeah. It's a really good book. I've read it. You'll 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 really um, find something in there which um, rings true to you. So you've got this um, podcast, and you've got all these wonderful guests. So the, the typical guests, you've got a lot of musicians on there, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it. Again, like I said, having the job at One Extra helped yeah. open up a network of people to me that I wouldn't have really met. So a lot of the guests tend to be 
not, I mean, a lot, I'd probably say half tend to be focused in the music industry, but there's also, you know, people like I've just, I've done an interview of the Slumflower, who's like an activist and an inspiration to young black women. There's a guy called Paul McGregor who does a lot of work in mental health awareness. There's Hussein Manawa who again does a lot yeah. of work in mental health and he's a poet. Yeah. So there's, there are people in the podcast. He's big right now. Yeah. He's very big right so now. So Slumflower. So it's yeah. like, you know, seeing these people and also my, my friend Megan, I've interviewed twice. She's the the co-founder of the Good Quote page on Instagram. Yeah, I spotted that. She's which got has like 14 million followers yeah. on Instagram. Wow. In just that one account, across wow. all their accounts, they've got over 35 million followers. Incredible. And that's just inspiration, just yeah. quotes about inspiration. So I've got, there's people on there like that because they're people that I find interesting. But what is that telling us that a, not a blog, an Instagram account that just does inspirational quotes has got such a huge following? People seek it. The problem is it's still a little bit... It's a little bit superficial at one level, isn't it? Unless yeah. you follow through and... Yeah, it's a little bit superficial, but it's also still a little bit kind of um, taboo to kind of self-develop or to, you know, self-help and mental health. All those kind of areas are very taboo still. Mm. I mean, it's getting a lot better and there's still a long way to go, but it's still very taboo. So it's not, it's not a cool thing to be into self-help or self-development. In America... They love it. They love it. But here, yeah. it's not a cool thing. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool because I've spent I've, I've spent the last 20, 30 years reading. I do. I, I think it... They don't call them self-help books particularly. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of samey stuff out there, which is quite tedious, but there's a lot of really good stuff out there, there as well. Is. But it's also like, you know, if you're going to invest, why not invest in yourself? Yes, totally. Like, invest in yourself first. Yeah. Like the name of that book or whatever it was called, Look Inside. Look Look, inside invest in yourself yeah. first. But like... The more you do that, the more value you're then going to add to your own life and then more opportunities that open up. And the more you look internally and the more happiness you have coming from the inside out, the more all of a sudden, like I said, your world changes, but changes for the better because all of a sudden these opportunities appear that never used to be there. Yeah. And you start doing more things with more gratitude and you, you show more appreciation for life and the things that you do. And then more things happen because of off yeah. the back of that. So it's no, just like, so true. I don't see why it's not a cool thing. The f I think the first book, self-help book, if you can call it that, that I ever read, and it's a long time ago, it must be 20, must be 20 years ago, was um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People yeah. by Stephen, Stephen Covey. And I, I just found it transformational, the way, the way of thinking, you know, start with the end in mind. There was one quote in that which got me thinking in a completely different way about success. He said, you're climbing the ladder of success, but... It's only when you get there that you realise your ladder's up against the wrong wall. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I've, ne I've always had that image in the back of my mind. I just think it, it, that got me on the road to, to reading and learning and yeah. trying to learn more about myself and, yeah. and, and others. Because if you learn about yourself, you're, you're bound to learn yeah. more about and understand other and human nature. What, what's your favourite book? Oh, man. Um, if you had to pick one or two books self -help to recommend. book in particular? Or? Well, self-help, you know, that, that era. So I, I am a big fan of... The Miracle Morning is very good. Yeah. If you like getting up at five. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do Ego you? is the Enemy. Ego is the Enemy. Ryan Holiday is one of my favorite authors. Book. A fabulous author. And it's not really a self-help book, but it's a very interesting read. So obviously there's like the very famous Alchemist, The Alchemist by Paul Paolo Coelho, which yeah. is an incredible, I don't know, would you call it a self-help book? It's more like a, it's a book with a, a, a very a spiritual, book, spiritual would, yeah. message behind it. Yeah. So there's another book in a very similar lane called The Celestine Prophecy, yep. which I don't know if you've read it, which for me is like ago. Yeah. the most amazing book I've read. Like this year, I've read a lot of books and that is the most amazing book I've read. I think I need to read it so, again. It's very true to like, whereas, you know, The Alchemist is very, it's a journey about a kid from, I can't remember, he's from Morocco or something. This is like, could be anyone anywhere. And it's just an amazing book that describes the journey of life through this person's story and discovering the energies that are at play within the world and how a lot of stuff isn't necessarily down to and it's just like there's a very spiritual message behind it but for me it was an incredible read yes i think there's very two or three in the series i've actually got the video the dvd really? at home somewhere i don't i've not watched it but what you mentioned ryan holiday and it's really really weird and this is i, I i'm a big fan of his yeah i don't know if you i carry that around with me not every not yeah. all the time but it's uh, memento mori, which yeah. is um, basically means you know it really means you know you never know when you're going to take your last breath. Like yeah. life is short, so so live it and do what you want to do with your life. Yeah. And I just think it's amazing. I it says you, 
yeah, you, on the on the one side it says Memento Mori, and on the reverse side it says you could have. I can't even read it now. It's so dark up here. You could leave life right now. Yeah. And it's not meant to be a threat or to make you miserable. It's meant to give you positivity. Yeah. You know, get out there amazing. and do. Get, get out there and do what make, you're passionate about. What yeah. makes you feel whole again. Exactly. And that's what you're doing, and that's that's what's remarkable. So you're doing this podcast, but you want to develop the brand, and you know you want to go into helping other people as yeah, well. Yeah. So my focus now for like. 2019 really is to build a coaching business still do the podcast i'm gonna actually introduce um so within the podcast i do the interviews which go out every other week and an in focus session which is a short episode generally around about eight minutes of me talking about one subject so the most recent ones have been about gratitude or meditation or self-awareness um so that's the second branch within the podcast and then the third branch which i'm going to introduce in hopefully in January it's going to be more of a group discussion so that I'm working on and then yeah I'm just trying to build this coaching business of like a first of all actually coaching clients I don't like to say clients because it sounds like you're trying to make money out of them which is not what I'm trying to do I call them connections so like coaching connections and is that in a one-to-one setting or yeah like like over, a, the phone over the phone or, or, or Skype like or FaceTime Skype or something yeah. like that yeah. and then the other thing I'm trying to do is is build an online side to the coaching business so I, w- I want to be able to help as many people as I can through my experience, through everything I've learned, through the knowledge that I'm going to keep soaking up. I want to be like a sponge that can then pass that on, you know, to other people and help as many people as I can. So for me to be able to do that, there needs to be an online element that exists because I can't physically coach everyone. No. So what would that look like? Some so that would be like a, either a coaching, I'm trying to work it out at the minute and really iron it out. So it would either be a coaching package, which will be potentially subscription-based and each month you will get X amount of videos, X amount of Like a membership. Emails, so, yeah, yeah. You'll get exclusivity to certain content or it will just be like a 10-week program that you buy for X amount of money. Uh-huh. I haven't quite worked out the best or route. both. Could do both, Could yeah. Do both. Definitely. But yeah. I need to do one first and then introduce the other. And then I'm also in the process of writing an ebook, which hasn't unfortunately got a catchy name to it at the minute because it's still a working title. But it's essentially my my five um, tips on how you can live a more positive life. And by doing that, it's by helping you create and maintain a more positive mindset through the kind of process that I've been through and the daily kind of routine and exercises and techniques that I use. So it's A, educating people about it and be giving them practical exercises about, okay, th- you've just read about self-awareness. This is how you can go and practice self-awareness. You've just read about gratitude. Here's how you can go and practice sure. or get in, create a habit of showing more gratitude in your life. Um, it's a tough market to get into, isn't it? Because it's really saturated with so many people, so many books out there yeah. on meditation and gratitude and journaling, and it's just a huge market. But if you can find your niche, yeah. because if you can associate it through your brand and through pushing out through your podcast who knows yeah. I, mean, I mean mine for me I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this and a lot of talking to friends and for me the one thing that I always come back to is positivity so two things actually positivity and one percent so positivity is just that's the word that people always associate with me is like oh you're so positive or like oh, I love the positivity that you put out on your page and etc etc and then the second thing is one percent so for me you can have the end goal in mind, but unless you're doing your minimum 1% every day, yeah. you're never going to get to that end goal. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's about knowing where you want to get to in your development journey or in your career or in your life or whatever, but you have to focus on those daily 1% and you have to see them as 1% victories. So for me, and this was part of the process I went through, for me, meditating for 10 minutes a day was my 1%. And if I could tick that off the list as many days as I could, as many days in a row, I knew I was getting to some point. And then I started adding more things like regular exercise and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, they're the two things that I keep coming back to. So I need to kind of incorporate those into a title potentially for the ebook or for the coaching program, which I haven't quite landed on yet. But That 1% yeah. idea is, is, is an excellent idea. Uh, theory, I suppose. I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about the process, loving the process yeah. and being in the process, not worrying yeah. about the end goal. I can't remember the language he uses, but it, it's all about eat, eat it. What do you say? Eating dirt or something? E- eating dirt. Eating yeah. dirt. Or ruder yeah. words than that, perhaps. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> but, it, but it is that, isn't it? It is doing those baby steps day in, day out, day in, day out. And that will build 
that will build what you want to achieve yeah. ultimately and get yeah. where you want to go. And that's it. I'm like very, I'm very confident that it will happen, and I'm very focused on it. And for me, like I said, I'm not looking to achieve this by the end of next year. There's certain things I want to achieve by the end of yeah. next year. I'm looking at this as like a 50-year process. So because that's what you love doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I can get to the end of 2020, and I've you know helped X amount of people, fantastic. If I can get to the end of 2030 and I've helped x amount more people even more fantastic so you know it's not about seeing it for me as oh how many more people have listened to my podcast this week oh how many this how much that it's about actually how much positive inspiration and effect can i have out in the world over that period of time over 40 50 years and i mean i'm in year one yeah because i only really started focusing really and truly a lot on this in february this year well, you look, Even though the podcast you look excited. Did you yeah. say you, your whole body language has completely changed? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's coming across all positive and excited, and that's yeah, that's clearly the sort of person you are. I bet you can't believe how many episodes you put out and how many people you've touched in no. a really short space of time since you've been like, doing it. I mean, like, today as we record, episode sixty-seven went out, and that's amazing. I always say to myself, right, I'm going to start this podcast, and this was this was just before the podcast rush, as I like to call it. This was just before, you know, I was probably about six months in before everyone started to all of a sudden have a podcast. But my thing was, that doesn't matter because I knew that was coming. I knew it was coming. I could see it coming because that was my job at One Extra was to see what was coming six months, 12 months down the line. So I knew it was coming that there was going to be a podcast rush. So I had to get in early. But I also knew that within that rush, 80% of those podcasts are going to die. They're, just They're going to fall away. So my thing was, okay, can I get to 10 episodes? I got to 10 episodes. Can I get to 20 episodes? Got to 20. Can I get to 50? I got to 50. So now I'm like, can I get to 100? And I'm trying to already plan ahead of like, what do I want to do for the 100th episode? Because I, I'm, I know I'm going to get there because no, I'm dedicated to it. Guaranteed you're going to do it. So again, it's, it started off with like the 1%. Okay, put episode one out and then you're on a roll. And then it was like, okay, I need to put an episode out every two weeks. So it's every two weeks, every two weeks, every two weeks. And that's every week, every week. From the start of this year, every week, every week. So... Yeah, it's exciting. I, I love it. Well, it's been an absolute treat to have you on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm glad I stumbled across you, <laughs> fellow podcaster, with um, compatible ways of thinking, I, I, yeah. I would suggest. You know, being positive and wanting to understand more about human personality and what makes people tick and why they want to better themselves and do good things for society yeah. and community. You're taking that one step further with your helping other people, <laughs> yeah. you know, and... and expanding your brand and I think it's fantastic 1% at a time 1% at a time 1% 1% well thank you very much for being on the podcast oh, today it's me. been a real pleasure thank you and uh, here's to your success thank you you too take care <laughs>